had never had that opportunity to start questioning. Yeah. And I was like, how do I fit into this puzzle, this brand new puzzle? Because yeah. I don't even know what fucking shape I am. There was even a few times where you're struggling and I'm like, you either need to get it together or you just need to break down. And I didn't even know what that meant. Breaking down wasn't an option. There was no help. There was nothing out there to catch me if I fell. I was also ashamed of the thought that I felt so overwhelmed. I was aware that I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening. I have no idea yeah. who I am, but I also didn't want to tell you because yeah. I felt like that I was so used to knowing exactly what to do. I had to learn how to rely on myself and to cope differently. But I started to abandon myself because I thought that's what a good husband did and that's what yeah. needed to be done to take care of the situation. My self-esteem was so low and I needed reassurance and validation from yeah. external sources. And so yeah. I didn't know at that time how to even do that for myself. And to me, it just got to the point where it felt like you were lying. I couldn't even stand when you would apologize because it felt so gross. I keep thinking as you're saying this even, it's like, yeah, I kept promising things to you based on a bank account that I wasn't willing to check the balance on. On how to give myself the reassurance that I'd been seeking from other people. I actually learned how to give that to myself and to be there for myself and how to be my own support. I'm in a relationship with a person who doesn't respect my boundaries. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. If this doesn't change, I need to leave. Yeah. Because either I'm going to hate you or I'm going to hate myself. I, I don't give a fuck what you say anymore. I need to hear what you're doing. Welcome to the first episode of Cute and Shit. I always make the joke that I'm cute and he's shit. Okay. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a very long time now. Point of the podcast that we wanted to talk about and to make cute and shit is there's a lot of hype around what good relationships are, what they look like, the fucking Instagram families that make everyone sick and want to throw up. And we wanted to make a podcast that Showcases like relationships can be good. They can be great. They can look great. We can look great. I can look great um, <laughs> um, But at the same time obviously there's so many horror stories of what happens behind the scenes and so this is our show it was show. This is our show to talk about what it actually takes to have a good relationship because a lot of that Usually, while it is cute, does incorporate a lot of shit into it. And so mm -hmm. that's the point. That's where the name comes from. So welcome to the podcast. But I wanted to open up because the reason we wanted to talk about cute and shit primarily, this is under the, the realist therapist umbrella. And obviously a big part of that is having a very realistic, a very pragmatic and tactical approach to psychology. Because like most aspects of psychology, and then especially relationships, it can be so detached, so far removed from what it actually looks like, what it actually takes to build good relationships, and a lot of the the realistic qualities around relationships, like arguing and housework and the things that people struggle with kind of gets removed in the romance and the trying to have sex all the time and, or like trying to have sex at all, to be honest. I wanted to open up because I guess the big question is, well, what gives us the right to talk about relationships? What gives us the right to really discuss the psychology of relationships and this, in a nutshell, is really going to be, first and foremost, a, this is going to be a reminiscing because as you guys know, or as if you're, li if you're listening, 
to this, you probably know that I had the realist therapist and worked at it really hard, grew it to a decent amount, nothing crazy, but it was something that I was proud of. But if you're listening to this, you probably know me from that account that I created on Instagram. I unfortunately stopped creating content for probably about a year. And I wanted to introduce in this first episode, a bit of an explanation as to why. And part of that reason being, we were actually struggling and our marriage was hanging on by a thread. We were on the verge of divorce, to be honest. I guess this first episode, we really wanted to start with where we were at and move into where we are now, as mm-hmm. you can see by our close, touchy, lovely body language. We're doing- It's not my ring, but we are still married. Yes, we're not fucking married anymore. <laughs> we want, I wanted to talk about like where we've been talking about the shit moments to get to where we are now, which is obviously in a much better place um, where we're happy. Oh yeah, that's all cute and fucking shit too. <laughs> wow, look at us. Wow. Um, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, I have any plans. Um, and really just discuss like, yeah, where we're at, where we've come from, because the reality is, is like, we did almost get divorced, we did almost get separated, and it was a very real uh, consideration for me. Uh, for me in that process and so I guess even to open it up we were struggling mm-hmm. quite substantially this time last year we I guess were a year and a half into marriage um, and I guess the beginning our marriage itself had not been great kind of from it was all right the first couple of months but it definitely yeah. We were, we were, we honeymooned today, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then it slowly took a sharp nosedive, I would say. And I'd say that a lot of that was due to, like, my mental health, which is a really big part. I mean, we had a COVID wedding. We had 15 people. Yeah. I guess, yeah. Yeah, we can start there. Um, We got married during COVID, June of 2020, 15 people, none of my family, extremely small get together, obviously. Mm Um, your best man could be there. Yeah, not my best man couldn't come because of international travel restrictions, which is very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did get married. Yeah, we don't want to put our life on pause yeah, just for the pandemic. We wanted to keep moving forward with our life because we weren't living together at the time. And mm-hmm. so we got married. It was a good start. Yeah. Um, we had a happy, happy wedding. We were deeply in love. Mm-hmm. I, I know for me, um, which we'll get into, but like I had more avoidant tendencies. And so I would... I, I even anticipated, for the most part, that when I, I knew, I thought that when I got married, I would have a sense of apprehension, a sense of, like, fear as that day got closer, and on the wedding day... I thought you would, too. Yeah. Bitch. But on the wedding day, I showed up, and I was, like, fully invested with no second doubt, no second second guessing, thank you, mm-hmm. second questions. I had no doubts that I wanted to marry her, and so we got married, and it was a great start. However, we did move into a friend of ours place. We were living in like his basement suite, trying to save on rent. We were both in university, mm-hmm. working to support ourselves through university. It's COVID. My parents took it very seriously and they were kind of our primary supports at the time, but they yeah. were keeping a lot of distance at that time. They were, they were definitely more separating themselves and minimizing contact. So I kind of lost some big supports of mine because I lived with them. The gang's all here. Yeah, after living with them and then living on my own for the very first time, not only in that, but then also figuring out the role of a wife. Yeah. After having a stay-at-home mom growing up, but then also witnessing like yeah. aunts who like worked a lot and yeah. were very dedicated to their careers. So 
trying to figure that out for myself. We also deconstructed our religion throughout that entire process and that kind of snowballed. Um, Way harder for you, for sure. For me, yeah, that was a much bigger process because I mean, I had been a Christian from birth, basically, and you found it in your teens, so yours was a shorter stint than mine was, even though you're a few years older than me. Like It was so deeply ingrained in me, so trying to figure that out was also so complicated. Obviously getting married, yeah. having that relational transition, mm-hmm. Anna moving out on her own for the first time ever in her life, yeah. which means removing the norms and traditions that she grew up with with her family into even exploring what it's like to be and have roommates for the first time. Yeah. And then still going to school full time, working. A with, lot. Working a lot, which at the time, well, even still, you were working with detoxing uh, and drug addicted youth, which obviously is can be at least as intense as it sounds. I also got diagnosed with ADHD. That was oh, also, yeah, yeah. I, so Wait, well yeah. actually you didn't even get it diagnosed for like the first year we were together. No, but I was, I was struggling with ADHD and I didn't realize yes. it because I was thrown yeah, out yeah, my norms. I figured sure. out my norms right. at yes. my old at, house yeah. and then moving into a new place and new routines and new rhythms with living with a yeah. different people. Like I, yes. all my ADHD just flared up. It became so much more noticeable. All of, all of the mental health and transitional aspects that we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, because of those transitions, the, the lack of consistency basically spiked all, like it spiked all of the ADHD symptomology of just not being able to regulate emotions. You weren't diagnosed, but you definitely had more of like the rejection sensitivity uh, oh, yeah. dysmorphia more prevalently than prior mm-hmm. because of COVID, just again, lack of routines, which is also really important for yeah. ADHD, especially when it comes to your working out. Yeah, like I couldn't go to the gym, which had been so grounding for me before. Yeah. It was like one of the main ways that I like yeah. regulated myself. Yeah, even still now. Yeah. Your, your routines are disrupted. Yeah. Your mental yeah. health's declining mm-hmm. because of those changes. Yeah. You had ADHD unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And amidst all of that chaos, sure there's chaos, but chaos impacts people differently. Mm-hmm. What did that chaos do to you? Because obviously that's going to yeah. impact like what it does to us. Hearing all of that all together, I'm like, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was as an individual. I mean, with, you know, deconstructing religion, I didn't know who I was in my environment with like different roommates and, you know, like school and um, my job, like everything was just thrown up in the air. Um, But I also didn't know who I was in our relationship. Like, I didn't know what my role as a wife was. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what my place with you looked like. Like, I didn't... We didn't have rhythms. We didn't have routines, even between you and I. Mm -hmm. And so with that, like, I was just, I guess, like, lost. Yeah. But also didn't know how to cope with it either. Yeah, I think... Because even me hearing that, I'm like, I... I've never... I was never a husband, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, not obviously. I never got married before. (laughs) But I never knew what it was like to be a husband i mean i knew what it was like to be a roommate i was in school for a year or two Mm -hmm. before we got married and so or two years before we got married but i mean i'm first gen student i think to me it was hard i I could be empathetic to you of course Mm -hmm. but i definitely wasn't impacted as much as you were Mm -hmm. and i was able to adapt and kind of was free to create what was necessary 
Like, yeah, I was able yeah. to be like, well, I don't know what it's like to be a husband, but I also am going to mm-hmm. find out, and I was okay with yeah. that, whereas yeah. that wasn't how you process things. No, because you had already been on your own for so many years before yeah. you were in a serious, long-term, committed relationship, living yeah. with somebody else, being a husband. Whereas I went from living with my family to immediately living with you. Yeah. And so I didn't have any time on my own yeah. to really figure out, okay, who am I outside of my family that I was school. raised in? And I, I had never had that opportunity to start questioning yeah. how I was raised. And if that was something that I wanted to keep, if that was something that I wanted to, if there's things that I wanted to get rid of, sure. you know? So I went from being in one yeah as like part of a separate unit to being a part of a brand new unit without even knowing who I was individually as a piece and I was like how do I fit into this puzzle this brand new puzzle because I don't even know what fucking shape I am who am I yeah that makes sense because I knew I was a part of my family growing up but I didn't sorry parents and family but even as a teenager, like, I didn't want to be, and I knew that at the age of, like, 14. Mm-hmm. So me transitioning out wasn't nearly as difficult, and it wasn't nearly, like, I moved from Ohio to California when I was 19, and it wasn't even that hard for me because I knew I didn't want to look or be like that. Oh, yeah. Whereas for you, you luckily came from a, a more yeah. safe, or I guess even, like, yeah, call it safe. Well, it was very normal for society's yeah. textbook. Like, parents were still together, yeah. you know. I mean, we have four kids in our family. Yeah. But, like, it was very traditional, very traditional family yeah, norms yeah. where it was more you loving identified and with your family. And yeah. Yeah, whereas I, mm-hmm. I didn't. And so, of course, the transition out is much harder for you going from what you know to ambiguous mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And it was weird because, if I'm honest, during that time, it was... A bit of like a parentifying with your daddy because yeah I had so much experience and you had so little mm-hmm. and yeah. you had a number of meltdowns where oh, you yeah. didn't know what to think and sometimes even how to think about certain situations and I'm like how are the fuck you want just pick one mm-hmm. and you weren't used to having and utilizing that freedom at all no not at all yeah I felt like I did not have the freedom necessarily to question things openly in my family growing up and so i never had that space yeah and knowing that like i think even after like months of living together being like yeah no like i don't care what you yeah end up like falling upon as your answer for all these different questions yeah that i had it's just like as long as you go through the process and it's authentic and that felt weird yeah you were were very much of like what do i need to do and i'm like whatever you want i almost had too much space it's like my blank canvas was too big and I had no freaking clue what to do with the blank canvas because I'd never had it. I'd always had a list of rules on how to go about my canvas, it yeah. felt. That was overwhelming in so many different ways. But I was also ashamed of the thought that I felt so overwhelmed. Like, oh, for I, sure. I was aware that I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening. I have no idea what, like, yeah. who I am. But I also didn't want to tell you because yeah. I felt like that. I was so used to knowing exactly what to do yes and so yeah which definitely brings us to where our marriage started to deteriorate because mm-hmm. covid the lack of routines online school you know moving in together for the first time i understood and can empathize with the stress yeah but then it stayed mm-hmm. and it was there for a long time and oh yeah i think i 
was very much ready for, you know, sickness and in health. And, you know, all the, the commitment. I was there I was there to help as much as I could. Mm-hmm. But then it became, for lack of better words, like chronic mm-hmm. and much more long term, where it went on for months. The weight just kind of got heavy for me. Even in your lack of stability and identity, I started feeling the pressure of, you know, I have to be your husband i have to be your lover i have to be Mm -hmm. your friend and so yeah i lost so many friends in that whole process of getting married and losing single friends that felt uncomfortable with that or my religious friends who now i was deconstructing lost all those friends or covid and not being able to see them just with a distance yeah Yeah. and the weight was quite substantial and again like that's marriage that's relationships in general is like i was fully ready to take on what i could for as long as necessary but then that definitely shifted to a bit of an unhealthy degree where I could feel the pulls and I could feel the, I guess for lack of better terms and just to make it simple for people to understand, like I could feel the neediness mm-hmm. where you needed friends, you needed community, you needed connections, you needed value and worth and affirmation from achievements and all these different things. And usually it's those things that you get from from friends or from school or from your job. and because of isolation and COVID and the transitions, mm-hmm. that was kind of basically just placed on me automatically. Oh, yeah. And even without you really even not knowing, because you're like, no. no, it's not responsibility. But yeah. then but then it would definitely come out that way. And because yeah. you weren't... You felt obligated and it wasn't yeah. a gift anymore. And which even to speak, just for clarity's sake, Anna had a hard time admitting that she was struggling. And yeah. so while she's heavily, cannot state this enough, heavily deteriorating, it was denial. Yeah, it was strong, liberal yeah. denial. Like, no, I'm fine, mm-hmm. and that made it even much that made, that made it much more, more much more hard. That made it much harder just because, like, you can't fix a problem that you don't have. Yeah, you can't. One hundred percent. You can't process through emotions you're not willing to acknowledge. There was even a few times where you're struggling, and I'm like, you either need to get it together. Or you just need to break down. And like, yeah. you... I, I didn't even know what you meant by that. Like, you right. say that all the time. Right. Like you, I would say, like, you need to break. Yeah. Like, you just need to be broken. And I didn't even right. know what that meant because growing up, like, I... Like, there was definitely hard years growing up for me. And my family, we were all struggled with this hardship very differently. And so, because they were all struggling, like, nobody had anything to give to each other for a few years. Right. And so, breaking down wasn't an option. There was no help coming. If I broke, there was no, there was no life raft. Like, there was nothing out there to catch me if I fell. And so, when you would say breakdown, I'm like, but why would I do that? That, like, sounds like suicide. Why would I die? Why would, yeah. I, yeah, why would I kill myself? It means I'm going to die. I'm gonna die up here by myself. Yeah. yeah. What I'm so, saying, yeah. And obviously from my experience and my own growth, I've realized that once you get to that place of breaking, once you are able to accept reality and your emotions for mm-hmm. what they are, then you can actually make decisions just, uh, decisions and be deliberate and intentional about what you want to do with them. Oh, yeah. Where, again, you can't even begin reasoning and rationalizing and attempting to address those things until mm-hmm. you do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't even fully understand what was happening to me at all. And so these things build up. Mm -hmm. I'm taking on, I'm being as empathetic as possible, trying to be compassionate, encouraging. I, yeah, just wanted to be as supportive as possible. Yeah. But then 
it does begin to wear on me. And it, it's not like an overnight thing for sure. It was definitely like on and off. But I knew... It'd probably been seven months. Seven yeah. or eight months at that point. Yeah. It was, it was quite some time. Damn. I realized that I was beginning to deteriorate with her. I couldn't handle being committed to someone with bad boundaries because that felt too familial with the family I grew up with. And I knew that was a recipe for disaster. I knew something had to give. But I also had this perspective that this is what a good husband does. And I did, I do love you. And so I continue to persevere and push through as much as possible and had more to give in some moments compared to others, but still obviously stuck it out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just started away on me. And I, I think even when I tried setting the boundaries, it was weird because I would try to mention like, hey, I can't do this right now, or I don't have enough capacity. It was met with a, well, I don't, I think you, like it was basically like you mentioned, it's not my responsibility, but then you would treat it as such. Because mm -hmm. again, you didn't have a urgent problem because you weren't willing to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. So you're like, no, that's fine. But then immediately like within the hour or within a few hours, be like, be escalating and coming to me in tears or mm -hmm. in this mental distress that you needed help with mm -hmm. while you could articulate and say, this isn't your responsibility. Yeah. It definitely became mine. Oh yeah. Yeah, technically, I was like, it's not your responsibility, but I feel like I almost had the expectation of you that you would want to take it on right. as your responsibility. So I'm like, oh, I'm not making yeah. this your responsibility, but you should want to make it your responsibility. Right, right. Yeah. Um, oh, and so that bothers was, me still to this day. But that's also something that I was aware of just even from like how I grew up and the relationships that I saw growing up. Like right. that's like. That's what I saw, and so that's yeah. what I thought was normal. Because your family... Was to just, like, overextend yourself beyond yes. your capacity to actually give. Yeah, your family is way more apt to take ownership for how they're impacting each other, even mm -hmm. when it's not when it's not their theirs to own. Yeah. Like, person A makes person B upset. It's strangely person's A responsibility to mm -hmm. go above and beyond, even if they're doing something unintentional or something within their own, like personal autonomy oh, yeah. a person bees upset so you have to fix it yeah that might be kind but it's not always actually like healthy oh it's kind to the other person but it's not always kind to yourself right exactly okay, yeah, yeah. that's a good way to put it yeah 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 and where yeah so that's that was really problematic and because to me as somebody who became more independent growing up became more self-sufficient mm -hmm. that felt like entitlement to me which was fucking disgusting yeah. Because I I was under the premise of me nor anybody owes you anything. Mm -hmm. And the lack of gratitude and... Yeah, I think just gratitude for what I was giving. Yeah. And having that expectation definitely, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I mean, yeah, you were always so independent and so self-assured. Whereas I... So, yeah, I mean, you grew up being so independent, so self-assured so confident in yourself and your ability whereas because of this intermeshing of mm -hmm. emotions and responsibility i was not used to being independent and like at my self-esteem was so low and i needed reassurance and validation from yeah. external sources and so i yeah. didn't know at that time how to even do that for myself yeah and i um, think it's even more of your family thing where my family grew up pretty hard-nosed and mm -hmm. so like even 
my champion of a mother. Like, it was, you know, I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't give a fuck about your opinions yeah. or your ideas. Like, I'm living my life, so if you don't like it, fuck you too. Yeah. Whereas your family was like, all that matters is the achievement. All mm-hmm. that matters is the praise you get from that achievement. And if you don't mean anything to anybody else, you don't mean anything at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely like the message that I felt like I got. Not yeah. just like, you know, my like nuclear family, but also like external yeah. family as well. Yeah. Like that was so valued and prized and yeah. 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 And so again, like that just, I think those dynamics played out for a very long time. And I remember thinking like, this is what a strong person does. Mm-hmm. This is what a committed husband does. And so I also eventually got roped into break my own boundaries but I started to abandon myself because I thought that's what a good husband did and that's what yeah. needed to be done to take care of the situation mm-hmm. just spoiler alert that's not a good plan don't ever do that because even in the midst of massive distress yeah sure somebody could be struggling pushing through but when the person who is committed to them starts breaking like their own boundaries are broken down mm-hmm. you know Just start going the, down the ship. yeah the whole thing starts to deteriorate yeah. and that's what happened mm-hmm. where I yeah I, I started breaking myself and I yeah. let and as, I guess like to put it like bluntly like I let you break me and yeah. you were broken and then I started breaking with you and it was almost like this moment of you wanted to love me you wanted to do so much you couldn't yeah because i had no capacity for it but i had all this expectation to be able to yeah and even that i remember that was actually a good point like you had such a strong desire to do well and right by me mm-hmm. you would set these expectations and couldn't follow through could not follow through the majority of the time yeah and to me i was just like i don't care what you can do i don't care if you i don't care that your capacity is so low but just be honest with me so i know what to expect yeah and you had such an idealistic optimistic headstrong nature that you just kept telling me things that I think you meant to commit to Mm -hmm. but had no chance of falling through with and to me it just got to the point where it felt like you were lying Mm -hmm. and I even like your apologies I remember like I couldn't even stand when you would apologize because it felt so gross because it felt I mean it happened probably 10-15 times already of like having these you know these fights because of expectations being broken and having the conversation again and again and again so yeah like of course at that point like yeah it makes sense yeah I couldn't accept your apologies anymore because yeah and that's where the real issue started coming into play of I don't trust your word yeah because I don't know if you're gonna stick to it mm-hmm. and even though you had the best intent I couldn't trust anything you were saying because yeah. you, I knew that your heart was for me. I'd seen you cry, saying that you wanted to do right by me. Oh yeah. And then yeah, and be- I wanted to so badly. Right. Like but- I was still like deeply in love with you, and like, yeah. I wanted to give you the best, but nothing to give, and was also right. in denial. So I didn't even realize that I had nothing to give. Right, and so it was the unfortunate thing where I was trying to manage with the proper boundaries what you were letting me know. Yeah. But unfortunately, I couldn't manage you. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go above and beyond and even have unhealthy boundaries myself where I just started having to reject and negate the expectations that you had set for me. Yeah. Which felt really 
grows for me because I'm like, no, you're supposed to be a powerful, independent individual with your own autonomy. Mm-hmm. And here I am having to manage what I choose to listen to because yeah. it seems that everything you're telling me is going to fall short. And so yeah. you would give me an expectation and I'm basically knowing it, like thinking, like evaluating it as bullshit yeah. and then deciding what I'm going to expect from you. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, I just like keep thinking as you're saying this even it's like yeah i kept promising things to you based on a bank account that i wasn't willing to check the balance on yeah i wasn't willing to go and see how much was actually in my bank yeah. account before i promised you and was like and set any expectations because i was in such denial that i i didn't even want to look at how yeah. i was doing as you can see this is a very stressful and pretty chaotic time yeah and then i think the kicker was I was hitting my limits, and then you finally get diagnosed with ADHD, which yeah. I think the process of that, for the sake of time, is pretty irrelevant, but yeah. you recognize that you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started taking medication for it, because my yeah. doctor immediately was like, okay, let's try you on some meds, and I responded terribly, Yeah, and it was kind of the breaking point for me. I was on them for about two weeks, and yeah. then that's when everything really like that's one if you're talking about like breaking points yeah. that was like yours yeah yeah that was it yeah and then i think even by default because like i'll i think i'll tell the story of like that date that we went on because we're oh, yeah we're trying to have a good time we're trying to reconnect reconnect yeah you know be affirming and like stay on the same page and such and so we went on a date ready to i'm hoping to have a good time yeah i don't know i don't know what happened but you were emotional the you start crying thing, i could not stop crying i was like yes. i literally am not even having like that negative act like i'm not even having negative emotions right to have it even make sense that i be i'm crying right now but i cannot stop myself right and then you're getting frustrated because yes. you're like, what the hell is this? I'm, I'm, I know, I'm like, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And then on top of that, I'm like, we're in public. And I'm, to be honest, I, I remember like just feeling embarrassed and mm-hmm. also like vulnerable because I'm like, everyone's going to look at us and think this is like the picture perfect. Like, he's an asshole. What did he do to make her cry? Yeah. And I'm like, we, like, can we go somewhere private? Can we like try to keep this between us? And you just... Yeah. Could not keep it together and it just yeah. keeps flowing. Yeah. And, so we're just and then like, I can tell that you're getting agitated. Then that makes me cry even worse. Right. And now because I actually am feeling like I have a reason to be crying. So we leave. It's He drops me off at my car. We drove separate. We drove separate because we were meeting there after different things. Yeah. And you head home. Yeah. And I have a panic attack in my car. And yeah. I've never had a panic attack ever in my life, which is why I'm like, okay, I know... These, like, this is the meds that I've been on. Yeah. You um, call me? Yeah. Mid-panic attack? Um, no, I texted you. I never called you. Oh, yeah. wait, no. I got home because we shared each other's locations. Yeah. And so I was like, she hasn't left yet. So I was like, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. And you just say panic attack. Yeah. And I'm at the level with all of this where I'm like... You're done. Sucks to suck. Sorry, dude. Like, yeah. wish... So, good luck with that, buddy. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because so I'm, like, like, having the first panic attack ever. I'm terrified. Get left on red. And so I, like, try to gather myself. I, like, call my one friend. Yeah. And so, like, talk with her and process with her a little bit. I She, like, finally gets me to a place where I can, like, drive. Yeah. So I drive home. And then I, like, had a bath in the complete dark. Because yeah. I just, like, needed to, like, dilute all of my 
sensory all my, stimulation. All my sens- yeah. 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 Turn it all off. And then the breaking point, because you're unfortunately at your breaking point. Yeah. And then we go to bed. I have to be to work at 7. And I think I were in bed together and it's like 2.30, like something. Like it's the middle of the night. Yeah. And you wake me up crying and you were saying like you had a, I think you said I had, I, like you had a bad dream that you were having a panic attack or you died and I didn't care. I don't remember the dream. That I, was, that I had a, it was another panic attack and you right. just like didn't care. Right. And so, yeah. And it's the middle of the night and I'm like, look, I have to be at work for, and it was a double. I remember it was a double. Yeah. I had to be at work and I was, a, it was a 14 hour work. Day. I might have even had two doubles back to back, like yeah. going into this. And I was like, I absolutely cannot right now. Like, yeah, and like emotionally, you had nothing to give. Yeah, because like all I was asking is like, I just need reassurance. I just need like reassurance. Yeah. I just need something small. And I'm tapped. And you've not like no emo- like no emotional. Yeah, I'm like capacity. absolutely tapped. I'm like, you gotta figure yeah. this out. Yeah. And then you're just like, just and, and I think like I let you know like I'm tapped, and you just keep pushing like yeah. No, I was please, like, no, no I need this. And that's where. I remember in that moment, like... And that crossed your boundary. It was a huge, like, there's no more ignoring this. There's no more denying where we're at. Mm -hmm. And I... That was, like, the stark moment where I realized I'm in a relationship with a person who doesn't respect my boundaries. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. And I remember, like... I think that was the first time I looked up hashtag divorce on social media. Yeah. And just started looking at people's posts and yeah what like what I it, it was the first time I like very strongly considered like is this an option now yeah like is this gonna work yeah yeah and that was a very big moment for me because I think that was my breaking point where I'm like yeah. I, I realized like I I truly cannot do this anymore yeah and I mean I didn't know that was happening until like two days later yeah so you held my hand and I thought I was like okay I was able to get something and then I went to bed, not knowing that he then stayed up for another, like, hour or two yeah. Googling divorce. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I didn't find out for another two days. Because then after that, it was not okay. Like, yeah. I was like, whoa, like, something is yeah. wrong. Right. Which is hard because we had so many conflicts and so many moments where the boundaries were pushed. Mm-hmm. The the boundaries were put. The boundaries are fucking obliterated. Like, yeah. You're not aware of yourself. You don't know where you end and I begin. I'm disavowing my own boundaries and abandoning myself. And so, like, Mm -hmm. it just becomes chaos. I mean, in all of this, like, we also have, like, I'm an anxious attachment style. You're an avoidant attachment style. So when I feel upset, I pull and I take and I just, like... And I'm just, like, I need space to, like... And then you want to get away. To, like, find some strength within myself. Yeah. And you are, like, just clawing at me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we've... We hit so many points where... We had so many conflicts, so many confrontations, so many tears, so many poorly went discussions and arguments. Yeah. And we did that again for like the seven to eight months or whatever it was. Yeah. And then it finally builds up to this point of like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah. I don't know if I can keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think that was where like I finally introduced the, the, not a timeline, but it was the idea of if this doesn't change, I need to leave. Yeah. Because either I'm going to hate you or I'm going to hate myself. Mm-hmm. And it was a forced... Be- I think when you when you have those stark deprivation moments where needs, like legitimate needs, aren't getting met, mm-hmm. you start... Like, I think it's what tears most couples apart where yeah. you you do start turning on each other. Like, yeah. you don't, I don't... I think the vast majority of people don't need to. Yeah. I think a lot of couples could 
have difficult moments and actually become more connected through those challenges by bonding together. Yeah. But when you have couples who are, are making it binary where either one person has to get their needs met mm-hmm. or the other person has to get their needs met, but you're not doing it simultaneously, it's like, yeah, the relationship can't work. There's going to yeah. be a breakdown because somebody has to get the short end of the stick and not yeah. be satisfied or is going to get hurt. Yeah. And that's... Yeah, if work. you get more, I get less. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where that dream and that night where you woke up in the middle of the night and met, like pushed those boundaries, like that yeah. was my breaking point because I realized I can't mm-hmm. do this because yeah. I'm not okay. Yeah. And I'm going to either hate you or I'm going to hate myself. Yeah. And it was the hard for me as somebody who's avoidant and independent and self-sufficient the idea of hating myself was petrifying because that yeah. was that's my that's my that's like my your safe place yeah that's my fucking infinity stone like that's yeah. all i got like yeah, that's your, all i have uh, if, if all i have is myself i will i might not be great but i will be okay and the fact mm-hmm. that i started like questioning that like scared the shit out of me oh yeah you were not okay you felt lost in yourself like yeah. you got lost in the process yeah of trying to help me with my yeah 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 and so we start going to therapy. Well, we were going to therapy even before that. We, were, we tried. We were, and then you also had that really bad counseling session with our, our last couple's counselor. But no, we did. We, we were, it helped. Yeah, for a while. Because like like the dream happened in January. Yeah. But we did start going in October. We went, so like, we went in August and we stopped going Oh. Um, in October. We went for a few months. Oh, but, yeah. but it was good. Yeah, yeah. It was good and it was it helpful. Yeah. And we'd stopped going and then we tried to book a last minute session after that evening. That's January. And then mm-hmm. we like limp onwards. Yeah. And ironically, we have a conversation where I'm like, hey, we like we can move. Let's like... In February, we had already got booked our... We'd already gotten oh, this it place. In? Yeah, oh, we'd okay. already locked it in. Yeah, yeah. So like... In- so we're going to... We have that. He's considering divorce and we're set to move into our dream apartment in two weeks. Yeah. Which is very ironic. And so we did move. We got out of the basement and out of the roommate situation. Yeah. Which I think provides some like safety for you where you don't feel as exposed. You don't feel as vulnerable. Yeah. And there's a bit more of a protective element where like, mm-hmm. it's us now. It's us as a couple, not yeah. us in a roommate situation. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And like I had never felt comfortable with some of those roommates. They never really felt like home, even though we'd been there for... Yeah, like you have like presentations yeah. that you make to each other or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it, it never was comfortable. So moving felt a lot... Yeah, it felt better. I mean, we walked into this place and it was almost heartbreaking because we had talked about moving downtown, moving right. into an apartment and it being amazing and the dream. And we were so excited, like you know, a year prior and now we're actually doing it and it just felt yes so heartbreaking because we didn't even feel like we were doing it together and it felt almost like a slap to the face. Yes, I do remember yeah. feeling like, wow, this is probably one of the biggest life achievements we might ever have because we did finally accomplish our dream of moving downtown, living in an apartment, a, a pretty nice apartment together. Yeah. And we can't even enjoy it. Together. We can't enjoy it together. We cannot celebrate together yeah. because we don't have the connection to allow that to happen mm-hmm. and it was very yeah. heartbreaking i think what helped me is when we moved in i had a conversation with diego shout out diego a good friend of mine we met up here downstairs diego comes over and we're chatting and he kind of like he's a lot like me and i appreciate that a lot because we have a lot of the same values with independence and self-sufficiency or whatever mm-hmm. and so he kind of puts me with the tough love kind of messaging that i'm used to of 
you have to decide. Like, this is your decision to make. And regardless of whatever the fuck you were doing, like, you can be losing your mind and, you know, whatever. That doesn't, mm-hmm. like, that matters, but it also at the same time doesn't matter because it's my decision to make whether I'm going to stay or not. He kind of put that good pressure on me where I was like, yes, this is my decision. I need to decide. I made the decision, to be honest, it was, well, I don't want to stay. I don't love the person that you became from the time of our wedding day to now. Yeah. But at the same time, I also pragmatically knew, like, divorces are messy. I won't be able to see your parents again. Mm-hmm. I'll lose part of, like, that. I'll, I'll, like, literally lose family. Yeah. Like, we'll have to pay for lawyers. And one of us is going to have to move out of the dream apartment we just got. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't want to stay, but I don't want to leave. So... Yeah. And then I also thought, I was like, I did always believe in you when we got married and before things started really deteriorating I I always believed in your potential and your dreams and your character and so that's also like why it was so heartbreaking where Mm -hmm. everything that I believed in was kind of being like let down I guess you could say proven to be false but at the same time I knew you were still you Mm -hmm. and so I still believed in you strangely but I was like you like if you don't believe in you it doesn't matter yeah and so i decided that well i don't want to leave and then i remember rationalizing i can always get divorced in a year Mm -hmm. because god forbid that we get divorced hopefully do it amicably and do it in six months and then i remember thinking like i would be so pissed if you turned it around and became the woman of my dreams that i knew that you were and we're always going to be becoming Mm -hmm. if you're going to be that person in two three years yeah then i'm going to be so mad i didn't hold on yeah i remember i stopped saying i love you because i couldn't say i loved you anymore because you weren't you because you yeah you didn't love that version of me which i think is okay and i think there's probably so many people that the sound of that is just like Heartbreaking. Heart, absolutely heartbreaking. I think it was even heartbreaking for you back yeah. then, right? Because you were like, oh, no, it's me. And you're oh, like, no, yeah. it's not. You didn't even realize it wasn't you. For sure. Yeah, no. And it like it, it was heartbreaking, but it was also okay. It was okay that you didn't love that version of me. Yeah. Because I also didn't love that version of myself either. And so how can I expect you to love that version of me when I don't even love myself? <laughs> So I'm like, but yeah, like it, it was so heartbreaking. And the amount of times that I cried over that was like ridiculous. And even like the thought of it right now, like I'm getting a little emotional. Wait, what do you mean? I, mean, I can see the emotions. Yeah, what are you, what like, are you talking about? Like which part? Even just thinking about like you getting to the point where you couldn't even say I love you. Oh, right. Yeah. Like that's so heartbreaking. Like that's how, like, like because, that's how far we've, we fell. Like because is that emotional because like you realize like the extent of how much you let me down or yeah. how much you hurt me? Yeah, and how much I let myself down. Yeah, and I think that's, like, a, that's a good yeah. point still of, like, in this process, like, you still had so much intent and desire to do right by me. Yeah. But at the same time, like, you were... Because you had such deep, unmet need, as I would try to draw attention to how you were mm-hmm. impacting me, it just kind of, like... It literally was, like, scales over the eyes. You could not yeah. see a thing. I don't yell, like, really at all. But then there, we'd have a few fights where I, I would raise my voice and be done Mm -hmm. and you'd be like oh my gosh what happened Mm -hmm. and i was like where have you been 
Yeah. And you would get really hurt by the idea of yeah. like, holy fuck, I didn't even realize it got to this level. Yeah. Yeah, I just was not there. I had no capacity. And I also, growing up, I knew love by emotion. When you yeah. loved someone, it's because you had warm, fuzzy feelings for them. And so I was like, I love you, I love you, I love you. Like, I have all the warm, fuzzy feelings for you. But you were not feeling loved at all because you can't experience right. my warm, fuzzy feelings. That means nothing. Yeah. And so I had to actually learn how to love you through actions to make you feel loved. Yeah, for sure. Because I'm like... Yeah, verbal is not my, my game. Yeah, no, not at all. But... I'd had no capacity to give anything other than the words of I love you. Right. And so I wasn't even able to love you or take care of you. But I wanted to. Like right. I Again the intent was yeah, there. Yeah, my inten the the intent was there, but I I couldn't love you in a way that actually even mattered. Yeah. I would say that's our rock bottom. <laughs> yeah. Like we hit oh, absolute was... rock bottom. Like I Googled like what is the difference between separation and divorce? Yeah. What is the average price of divorce? Like actually like looking these things yeah. up and like really going there. Yeah. We had one last like couples counseling session with somebody. Oh yeah. Who you kind of went in almost asking for permission. Yeah. To, I totally like, did. Like, can, can I have permission I was, yeah, I was like, to get can, divorced? Can I get like professional sign off that this is fucked? Yeah. And like, can you tell me that this is okay? Because yeah. this is bullshit yeah <laughs> yeah that is 100 yeah. what was happening yeah i remember like we, we started seeing her and she was great and it, the hard thing is by the way like i have a psychology degree she has a psychology yeah. degree we're both in this process and i remember going to see our second therapist yeah and she was also great and she more or less confronts me of like do you want to be here and i'm like I don't know. Like, I can't say yes, mm -hmm. but I'm not saying no either. It was really challenging where it was like, well, you kind of, like, this is still your decision to make. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, fine. I, want, I came to you for the signature. Like, help me out. And she definitely, as a good therapist, was not giving it to me. Yeah, and we got back to the apartment after that session. And that was kind of the ultimatum moment. Yes. Of, like, if this does not change. Yeah. Like, almost immediately, yeah, yeah. like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, we are taking this literally day by day. For sure. That was definitely um, rock bottom, and it was the point of no return. Of, you need to change, like, literally tomorrow. Yeah. Or I got, like, a week left in me, and, like, I'm looking for papers and, like, probably gonna start packing my things. Yeah. And one of, or, or one of us needs to leave. I still wanted to keep the apartment, because I'm like, your parents live here, my, I had no one here, so. I was like. I know. I, was, I wanted <laughs> it too, though, so. <laughs> This is our dream spot, people. This is why the lawyers were needed. This is our dream spot, people. Neither one of us wanted to leave, even in the worst of times. So This apartment kept us together, actually. And, yeah, you're not wrong. Solve all your problems by getting your dream place. That'll do it. Um, terrible advice. Yeah, don't do that. But that's the good point of you started doing damage control. Yeah, so I basically decided to just start keeping my distance as much as it hurt me and as much yes. as it pained me to not be close and to not be trying to fix it because I'm a fixer I am my dad's daughter and I love fixing problems but I was she like you know she thinks like what? a man for real I do yeah honestly I to be fair I think like a woman too so it's yeah, still, it we still fuck up a lot yeah but yeah so I just started trying to keep my distance yeah. of like okay if I am not in like the greatest best mood yeah. like ever at least that I can right now yeah, yeah. like I will not be around yeah. I kind of 
in a way I slighted myself from you just so that I couldn't hurt you anymore. Because I was like, yes. okay, at least right now we are taking it day by day. If it doesn't get any worse, at least I still have tomorrow. I started distancing myself. Yes. I started, I got in contact with all of my professors because I emotionally was not okay and was yeah, not yeah. able to get assignments done or complete midterms. Yeah. And so three of my profs were actually amazing and were able to, they were like, you can do the assignments on whatever timeline you want. No yeah. expectation to come to class as long as you can complete this final presentation that you're in a group project for, that's fine. Right. But you have until this very last end date to get all of your assignments in. I don't care if they're all passing on the last day, that's fine. But yeah, so here, they basically just granted me like unlimited flexibility with my assignments yeah. because I went in and I told them I was like, my marriage is hanging on by a thread and I yeah. am unable to do this. So yeah. I was just super honest and vulnerable with them. Yeah. I was seeing my therapist who I'd been seeing for a long time. Um, Thanks, Megan. Freaking love Megan. <laughs> Your champ, Megan. Um, she's amazing. Um, I hope so, you see this. Do we have a, can you say a last, should we say a last name? I, I, no, we probably shouldn't. No. <laughs> just... Megan, you know who you are. If you see this one, you know who you are. Thank God. So, um... So, I know, there were so many times yeah. Annie came home, Megan said this. Thank God to Megan. <laughs> Praise be to Megan. Yeah, so that was amazing. And she actually knew... Like, I went into her. She's like, you know I specialize in ADHD, right? I mean, I had just been diagnosed, and I have been seeing her for a long time before that, too. And yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. So she was amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I started, actually, I started doing a group counseling course as well, right. which was a self-esteem group therapy, Yes. Um, which actually helped so much and actually kind of taught me on how to give myself the reassurance that I'd been seeking from other people and like the validation that I'd been craving yeah. from everyone else. I actually learned how to give that to myself and to be there yeah. for myself and yeah. how to be my own support. Yeah which I'd never known how to do that before. Yeah. I'd only known how to ignore the problem until it actually just went away on its own. Mm -hmm. um, instead of actually sitting down, acknowledging the problem and like giving, honestly, it was actually like self-compassion journaling specifically. Yeah. That is the practice that helped me the most of like writing down all of my problems mm -hmm. and then talking to myself and journaling back at myself in the most loving yes. way I possibly could. Um, so that, Go to therapy. That helped a lot. One in question. Go like take yeah. your individual ass to therapy. That's the that's yeah. part of the answer. Go oh, to therapy. Oh, that was so helpful. So that's what I did individually. But then as a couple, basically the only thing for a while that we would do together was play Monopoly Deal. Yes. That saved our marriage. It was really the only thing we could do that would actually allow us to connect on any sort of it wasn't even intimate it was just no. have a connection oh yeah and that was shitty but also really good and helpful because we could do something together that we both found fun mm -hmm. and entertaining yeah because usually when we try to do something else when we try to go on a date or try mm -hmm. to go on a coffee it would usually end up in a fight or a disagreement or a misunderstanding and it would just be pretty shit overall mm -hmm. whereas strangely monopoly deal acted as a way for us to have a connection point that wasn't inside ourselves yeah it wasn't within us it was like something external that we could both focus on is like if 
we're not movie watchers, but if we were movie watchers, right. it'd be like if we were to sit next to each other and watch a movie as opposed to like actually just right. like connecting with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we were able to be next to each other. Yes. And even, and do something that we both were engaged in mm-hmm. that we both enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, but also didn't need to go into the depths of, I don't know, each other mm-hmm. to do. So that yeah. was really helpful. Yeah, super helpful. As you're running around trying to make arrangements with school mm-hmm. and yeah. make some space, going to therapy, finally, and taking care of those things, mm-hmm. then it was like, okay. Because I, I had that same thought like where you're like, okay, I'm going to ter- take care of my things. I also had the same thought of uh, because I more or less abandoned myself, mm-hmm. I had such a angst and a bit of anxiety because I realized that I was losing the ability to trust myself in how I because because I was withstanding like the onslaught of like what felt to be mistreatment from you yeah. I was losing myself and so I made the decision of okay regardless of divorce or not I need to start doing things that make me feel safe make me feel comfortable make me feel alive and really just focus on myself as well and yeah. should you have the capacity to offer something that'd be great that'd be nice but until then, I'm going to do what I can. I don't think it lasted that long, but it still mm-hmm. helped me not expect anything from you. Yeah. Just because I was insulting myself in my own little world. Yeah. And then to address the issues that we did have, mm-hmm. we started doing what we called IRs. Yeah, so there was one point where Marcus had said to me, kind of in the midst of one of our fights and or disagreements, however you want to phrase it, but yeah. had said, I wish you would treat me like you do your school and your work because I was so diligent with work and school and was able to yes. really give like 110% Pissed me to off. those things. So bad. I yeah. felt like you, you felt even, so neglected. You didn't even care, but yeah, you would bend over backwards to literally... Literally, it's oh, actually obviously it still makes me upset, but it's <laughs> I'm good. But it was like so weird because I, we were doing so badly, and I know my grades were slipping, and I couldn't focus. And you mattered to me so much, yeah. so I was trying to put so much energy to figure out what's going on and fix us. And I'm getting like C's, or I might miss an assignment entirely to try to like because we're having mm-hmm. a disagreement and figuring it out for hours. Yeah. Knowing I'm not going to turn this assignment in because I want to make something work between us. Mm-hmm. And you're getting A's. Yeah. And like pushing to continue to hit pretty high marks, which mm-hmm. was like, why why can't you treat our relationship like schoolwork yeah. that you are obviously so committed to and yeah. needing to uphold that standard with? Like, why can't you have that standard with me? Yeah. And honestly, I think it's because those things in my brain were more black and white and our relationship... Like, relationships in general are just gray and muddy, and they're not clear all the time. So those things felt safe, and they felt comfortable. And I've been doing school forever, so I know how school works. I know how it operates. And so, but I took, when he said that, he's like, oh, I wish you'd treat me like Mm -hmm. school or your job. I took that super seriously, so I actually set up on Notion, like, a shared page between us where I would write IRs, like, incident reports. And any time we had, like, a hard conflict or something came up, I would actually write it up as in, like, what were the factors that led up to it? What was the actual incident itself? What was done to resolve it afterwards? 
Is there any follow-up that is needed in regards to it? And I would just fill that out and then I would share it with him yes. to see if there's any disagreements on maybe what happened, yes. on what was experienced, on what was felt. Yes. We were super busy at the time because we were both in school, we were both yeah, working. Yeah, yeah. And so sometimes it was hard because we would before have a fight and not be able to talk about it for like four days, yeah. which was so challenging and just prolonged prolonged things and they forget details and it's just emotion yeah um but that allowed us to actually be able to work through things because then you'd go through and you'd comment on those sections and highlight sections and make comments right being like actually no that's not at all what i was feeling that's not at all what mm-hmm. i was experiencing and it helped me to actually listen to you and we were both then in calm states we're not mm-hmm. in the presence of one another because we can do it from wherever mm-hmm. whether we're at work or school yeah and it felt safer almost to approach these topics right um and then once you kind of corrected what my understanding was then i could validate that and be like right. yes actually that totally makes sense i understand why you'd see it that way mm-hmm. like i'm so sorry that that happens like this is what i'm gonna do to make sure that that doesn't happen that was so huge because it was able, it allowed us to address our issues from a safe distance. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds, even in a roundabout way, like we're processing a conflict together through, like, I, for one, very methodical. Yeah. And then two, almost like journaling, mm-hmm. where we're able to process freely, yeah. writing things down, and then the other person's, like, basically going through and saying, well, this is my perspective, does it match with yours? It's like, mm-hmm. well, no definitely not I was feeling this so even as you're apologizing you're not apologizing for the right thing Mm -hmm. and but then like you said it is from a safe distance where it's not happening in the heat of the moment so Mm -hmm. the feelings aren't being hurt I might be annoyed when I read it yeah but it's annoyed not like devastated or even just like the target for the frustrations Mm -hmm. gone which was nice you know I could read it in a much more relaxing place because we were stuck in such a habit where being around each other and again having any sort of intimate conversation felt jarring and i think for probably both of us when we would be around each other talking like remotely intimately at all yeah it would start activating like our fight or flight our heart rate starts racing Mm -hmm. breathing starts going up and we're already getting primed for conflict that we've repeated so many times Mm -hmm. so slowing things down even separating a bit was really helpful where we could then process conflicts in a much more calmer state, which yeah. helped resolve them. And mm-hmm. then, you know, after we, if we did process virtually for four days, then when we seen each other, it was like a, hey, thanks for validating that. And there was, yeah. there was like that ability to reconnect. Yeah. And like, I remember before when we just kind of come back together after a fight, it would be really intimidating of being like i don't know what's gonna happen i don't know what state you're in i don't know what state i'm in like i don't know how this is gonna go but it was we could actually come together and it's like oh i'm looking forward to seeing you because i'm not scared by what this interaction might look like because we already have worked through that and can move on to the next and even when our old roommates came back and we Mm -hmm. hung out with them we got a chance to kind of catch them up on what's going on and kind of told them like hey we were actually like in the midst of potentially getting a divorce but as i was telling them in that stage as we kind of implemented these processes probably around like march or yeah like maybe april i was telling them like hey we're in a rough spot we were considering stuff i i i would say we because obviously it's our marriage but i was considering separation and divorce yeah. but the way 
we were handling the conflict and coming out of it, I was like, we're dead, like the, the trust and the connection and the intimacy has been absolutely shattered and like demolished. Mm-hmm. But we've basically been put on life support. Like yeah. I always described it as we're in a body cast, like completely like immobilized, mm-hmm. but we are at least like our breathing and vitals are stable. Like we're not yeah. going to die tomorrow. Yeah. Which still was a huge step in the right direction after being mm-hmm. in such a like confrontational like time period yeah so we were in that state i think for a while we had some up and downs yeah it wasn't yeah it was definitely not perfect no. by any means i also had been texting you updates on kind of like a daily basis of like hey these are all oh the, yeah these are all the things that i'm doing yes. right now for myself to put myself yes. in a better place so that he could see that i was taking responsibility yes. taking responsibility for yes. myself instead of putting it on him. yeah i was so disheartened and overwhelmed by feeling responsible for you and mm-hmm. responsible for your mental health that i and you told me sorry so many times that yeah. i was just like it's not enough. Yeah, it's not yeah. enough. Like, if you don't start making changes, like, it doesn't matter. Not only did you start working out again consistently when the gyms opened, or... Yeah, I mean, we moved into a building with a gym that yeah. was right down the stairs, literally. Yeah. So, I think it helped because you couldn't tell me I'm sorry, or you couldn't tell me that you love me, and you couldn't say these things that mm-hmm. would be affirming. I was like, no, no, I, I don't give a fuck what you say anymore. I need to hear what you're doing. And yeah. so... The ways that you would tell me that you love me and that you care about me was actually giving me updates of I'm reading this book yeah, right now I'm, or I did this month like right, journaling or I meditated yeah. or I went to the gym or I decided to hang out with this friend right um, which yeah. meant a lot because it showed that you are living your own life mm-hmm. you are taking responsibility and ownership yeah I'm an I individual yeah I don't need it. to do that mm-hmm. for you anymore and so um, I think luckily in that process like I was able to probably more like quite quickly like regain my sense of self and like self-respect where I was because I was doing things for me yeah I rebuilt that relationship with myself that I abandoned I think it was a very 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 subtle and very very slow but that was the process of us starting to come back together yeah um and actually build something I guess meaningful again Mm -hmm. very very slow it was Mm -hmm. very like my new Regrowth, like, yeah, it's literally like healing a broken bone. I think it just it took a lot of time. Yeah, and being energy. really gentle. Yes. With it. Yeah. And yeah. with our expectations of each other, yeah, still, no still not over. Yeah. It's not hardly relying on each other at all. Mm-hmm. But it was all about. It was like a rehab, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then like we'd still have like some small conflicts. I think for the most part, if I remember correctly, we didn't overcome them relatively quickly it was still intense because yeah. we were still in such like a fear fearful place but yeah, I, our, yeah our flight or flight got turned on so quickly but i feel like we were able to work through it so much faster yeah because we i was like okay i know what to do i know i'm gonna go immediately take a break and right. i'm gonna start journaling about it i know that this is right i know this is what's gonna happen and what the process looks like my issue for so long had been we need to figure this out right now because i was so anxious that i wasn't yeah. even willing to give any breathing room whereas you're yeah. the audience and so you're like no like i need space Which, i need to yeah feel you needed to feel like safe in yourself and mm. so you would go take time but i didn't want you to go take time because i'm like no we need to figure this out right which um, i think even even looking at that like there is like the like, avoidant part but like that again to me like that's yeah. not even avoidant it was 
you were so anxious you needed to figure it out right now because it was such a threat yeah. to the fear of abandonment when in reality i'll see you tomorrow and i yeah. had that that mentality mm -hmm. and it was very weird for me where i was like we like you're gonna be here tomorrow i'm gonna be here yeah. tomorrow i'm not going anywhere yeah why well, uh, and obviously that wasn't always a certainty but like even in the earlier mm -hmm. parts of a relationship i understood like we have time and space to do yeah. this but you you didn't feel that you could let that breathe no not at all and i also i was also making you responsible for my well-being because i wanted those answers right. because i was not okay with right. the uncertainty of what might happen yeah and so but in that space when we were struggling so much and starting to now work through it i learned i'm like i know that i cannot ask you for anything yeah like i can't pull on you and your yeah. capacity to give because there I, there is nothing and i'm actually in relational debt yeah. right now so I had to learn how to rely on myself and to cope differently. So, you know, journaling and breathing techniques to calm my anxiety and, yeah. um, you know, going and meditating a bit um, so that I could manage my anxiety instead of expecting you to manage it. So yeah. then I could actually give us breathing room yeah. in those conflicts to be able to figure out what I'm feeling yeah. enough to the point where I validated myself that I'm not coming into our conflict demanding validation from you and i actually have capacity to listen right yeah yeah because i think even if i remember correctly i know like one of the things that bothered me most is you would have you would ironically even have some like reactivity mm -hmm. where i would say something and you would respond to how it made you feel and not what i said and i yeah. would get both so mad and so hurt yeah where i'm i literally i would literally come to you like ask for time and space to be mm -hmm. vulnerable yeah. you would agree I would be vulnerable and I would tell you a thing and then you would respond based on your reaction to it. Like yeah, whether yeah. it was your own shame, your own shortcomings, or whether it was like a, well, you did this, like, why are you upset with me? And yeah. I'm like, I'm just telling you what bothers me. Like we can yeah. talk about why you're bothered later. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think even my lack of confidence in myself made me come into those conversations expecting there to be something wrong with me. So I was looking for it. I was waiting for you to say that there was something wrong with me right. because I believed that there was something wrong with me. And so then when I got any kind of maybe even right, glimpse right. that there might be something, right. and I jump on it because I was waiting for it. Right. Both as opposed negative and... Yeah, yeah. As opposed to actually coming in and listening to you and how you are. Yeah. Because... You give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> 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 With, yeah. Sorry, babe. <laughs> yeah, like you truly was like, oh wow. Yeah. And, and that was the hard part is even even when you would shame spiral like, oh my gosh, I'm so terrible. Like, I'm so sorry I did this. Mm -hmm. I suck. You know, I'm the worst wife in it's the world, basically. Yeah, and I was like, Yeah. Bitch, I'm trying to I'm I'm asking for your help here. And you yeah. would literally like it would I knew it was inadvertent yeah. and it wasn't manipulative. Because I know that happens sometimes where mm -hmm. people will shame spiral just to get the attention yeah. or like to manipulate a situation to be the victim but you weren't even trying to do that but it was still happening yeah and that was my shame took away from right you and you, what you were needing yes. at that moment and i'm coming to you and starting a conversation based on my need and it would literally end with me consoling you and i'm like cool i guess i i don't what matter yeah yeah and it was really heartbreaking where i had to brace myself for to not have my need met despite mm -hmm doing the right thing and yeah. being vulnerable, which was really sad and hard. Yeah. yeah. You're a mess. I know. <laughs> You're a fucking mess. I know. Good job on getting better, I guess. Well Thanks. done. <laughs>
<laughs> we fixed it. This is a happy story. It is. It does. Yeah, it gets better. Yeah. So, so we get to a place where we're stable. Yeah. If you know, if we're metaphorically in the ICU at that yeah. point, we have a trip to Europe. I'd say at that point we were transitioning out of the ICU that was like on the horizon to still- We're like, still in the still, fucking hospital. Oh yeah, still in the hospital, For but sure. like no longer in intensive care. We are still yeah. requiring lots of attention, but we go to Europe. It's a trip specifically to uh, go to the Netherlands to see one of your friends yeah. and be at his wedding. Yeah. And so there's tons of people that you knew from back when you were kind of in school yeah. years ago. Yeah. And that's, was really connecting because the focus of that trip, at least at the, the beginning half of it, was not on us. And once again, it was kind of another thing external outside yes. of us that we could yeah. focus on. Even for me, I was excited going in because I'm like, well, we're shit. Yeah. Like, I don't even trust you to meet any sort of my intimacy needs. Mm -hmm. But here, I'm going to a wedding with friends I haven't seen in years, but who know me, who knew me at one of my lowest points Yeah. when I was like homeless and loved me, affirmed me, believed in me. They very encouraging to me at a young age and meant a lot to me, mm -hmm. very nostalgic. And so it was weird because we were in a place where we weren't, we weren't bad, we weren't, okay, we were pretty bad. We were still pretty bad, but yeah. it wasn't like detrimental and it wasn't like make it or break at that moment at all times. Yeah. But it was still more of like, hey, I actually don't really give a fuck if you're here on this trip with me. I need to, I'm going to see my friends. I'm definitely going to enjoy myself. Yeah. I, you, you've, ob we've obviously paid for you to take this flight and this trip with me like eight months prior. Yeah. So. Here we are. Have fun. And honestly, I was like, please don't fuck this up for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, we go on this trip. I think it was still, we're in that mindset of like, we're not relying on each other. Yeah. Which really helped. To be honest, I went in being like, manage yourself and yeah. like sink or swim i don't give a fuck i'm, I'm enjoying myself like with yeah. or without you yeah i hope you have fun but mm -hmm. i will regardless of what you do and i kind of knew that and so coming into it as well for myself i felt okay i'm just coming in and these people are around so i'm gonna make my own friends like i didn't even necessarily feel like i was yeah piggybacking mm -hmm. off of you but i was able to just sit down and have genuine conversations mm -hmm. with people and start getting my own social needs met yeah. um, in that way so even though we you were a mutual person between us. Yeah. I was fending for myself yeah. kind of within that space. You are right where similar to Monopoly Deal, it was a big game of sorts where we're on a bit of an adventure. We are taking this trip and doing something fun. Trying to navigate a country where you don't speak the language. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> we didn't need to engage each other on an intimate level. Yeah. And we're just having experiences together. You know, that bridging the gap where obviously having the same shared experiences helps build some intimacy, even yeah. if it's not directly about us. Um, so I think that helped a lot. Mm -hmm. And then even it was, you know, again, these, these people did mean a lot to me and it was very encouraging for me to be around people who knew me and knew me intimately because mm -hmm. obviously it wasn't getting met with you. Yeah. And then ironically, I think it was like, a lot of it was like borrowed emotional equity. Like I've had these people I trusted knew I could confide in. My best friend in the world is there that who mm -hmm. who was who was uh attending the wedding as well, who was supposed yeah. to be my best man. Yeah. You know, getting just to be around him. I think there was like this emotional contagion effect where like I could be at rest, relax a bit. Like we're out, we're still on vacation, we're still yeah. in Europe. It lets me put my guard down a bit. Mm -hmm. And then ironically it's like 
it is a wedding it is a loving situation it is you know a reminder of commitments made and affection given and longing for another person i think there was some romanticism that we could kind of step into luckily because it was a wedding i don't think it would have been yeah. successful if it wasn't a wedding or if it wasn't no. with my friends if no. we if we would have tri- we did we took our honeymoon in november and like yeah. that had good moments but like it definitely didn't fix things no yeah like i mean the honeymoon itself was was really really good but then yeah. we came back and yeah. the same problems were still there yeah absolutely yeah we can't like i can't give this advice and say hey go meet up with childhood friends and bring your spouse that you're fighting with like that's not no, like it's it, not like it's a too complicated. something that we can that you can apply but it is understanding like you know putting yourself in a position where you're getting your needs met because that was in a nutshell that was my issue like yeah you were in such a bad place you weren't able to meet me and what i needed and respond to me and understand me and so yeah and having deep intimate conversations which is like your life source yeah for sure i think it was really interesting because it put me in a position to have my needs met without having really many demands being on vacation having a budget to spend you know Mm -hmm. and then when we did have moments to ourselves, when you know your friend was off doing his own thing yeah we're walking the streets of copenhagen and it is it does remind you that it's like okay yeah this is romantic and we're here together like in this moment yeah i think we were able to be reminded of our love for each other yeah even seeing i think my friends it was very funny because like i'm not sure my friends knew where we were at Mm -hmm. but i think just because my friends are great and amazing they took you in as their own yeah and i think that even acted as like a reminder of like well if they love you i can love you even though i i was struggling to yeah and so that was also really helpful so again i think the, the big takeaway is really just putting yourself putting like both people trying to put themselves in an environment where their needs are going to be met above and beyond even if it's not with their partner because mm-hmm. that's going to give you the strength and the stability to then meet your spouse or your partner in start recovering from the distress yeah. that, that's been building for so long and actually have some good connecting moments and we did we yeah. had some real intimate moments then in europe where we enjoyed each other's company we could yeah. have conversation we could go on dates yeah and go on dates enjoy it we did fight once and that was not once, fun yeah but even that i'd say on the grand scheme of things yeah on the scale of our fights that we it had was that, one, that was pretty one mild day, it was super mild the next day it had already blown over like i don't think the following day was impacted no not as much it was quite minimal on the grand scheme of yeah on the grand scheme of the fights we were having yeah yeah. i think if anything i was just more scared of what it could have been yes um than what of what the actual situation and then even visiting your friends in england it was a good it was a good 14 day trip yeah highly highly (laughs) advised um but it was great because again we're having multiple experiences and it was Mm -hmm. interesting where it's like netherlands is a new experience with familiar friends that I love deeply and then going to Copenhagen, which we both went to before with yeah, my familiar, best friend that we was familiar. It. Yeah, that we both romanticized. We both love. We had common interests because yeah. we both love Denmark. And yeah. then going to England, a new experience, yeah. visiting your old friend. And I reconnected with her and I hadn't seen her since the beginning of high school. Right. And we... Me connect- stepping into your yeah. world. Yeah, and but her and I like reconnected so quickly even though we right. hadn't talked regularly in years i'm assuming that helped knowing that you reconnected with her but then having me step into that the same way you stepped into mine and then i know you didn't know her partner but me meeting him and you guys connected us connecting 
and having similarities, I, th- mm-hmm. I would imagine that probably helped you. It was really reassuring. Yeah. yeah. I think even just you having a good safe moment and an encouraging moment and then me stepping into that with you too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. Honestly, it was interesting because then I think that for my Dragon Ball Z fans, like that was like our Sensu Bean moment. Sensu Beans. <laughs> where we're in the hospital and then all of a sudden like you know we have this bit of like a huge burst of energy yeah and then it becomes instead of being in a body cast at absolute baseline zero it's like no we're able to walk again in a very short amount of time which is kind of miraculous yeah because of this trip and then after that we didn't really fight after that we, I haven't written an IR since that right. trip. So it's been, I mean, that, that trip was in June. June. Yeah. And so it's been seven, seven months now. Yeah. Um, like approaching eight. Yeah. Oh yeah, that also helps. We probably celebrated our anniversary. True. We, yeah, we had our anniversary while we were on that trip. Yeah, which definitely yeah. helps. We had, a, we had a wedding, great European trip, and then also celebrated our anniversary. Yeah. So yeah, then we come home and we're in a much better place doing really good mm-hmm. yeah. I think from there once we got that stability then it was just maintenance yeah it, was, it really was just maintenance it was yeah. hey no more shame spiraling mm-hmm. no more defensiveness yeah no more I'm responsible for myself yeah you're responsible for yourself yes approach each other as as whole of human beings as we can yeah. individually to become a better pair yeah yeah that was a, a really big thing because then even I was able to start being like hey I'm feeling a little bit off after work. I'm right. gonna do this. This is what you can expect. Yeah. Of like, yeah, expect less from right. me. And then you knew. Then right. you knew I wasn't gonna be able to have a great totally. deep conversation or it wasn't, we had to, we're changing plans for a date night. Of like, you know what? We were gonna go on this really nice fancy date, but you know what? Right. Let's stay home, change into yeah, pajamas yeah. and just play more Monopoly deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think Part. we have now the maintenance of being able to establish like strong healthy boundaries mm-hmm. of whose is what what is whose responsibility where do these things end where do these things begin and taking some pretty massive ownership for our own feelings mm-hmm. our own experiences being okay that even in the same moment in the same experience we can have different perspectives yeah and one perspective doesn't need to come at the cost of the other mm-hmm. which was a big point of contention prior being okay with well just because you didn't intend it that way doesn't mean it's not true it doesn't mean it didn't impact the other person that yeah. way and all of that was really important to I think how we process conflicts moving forward mm-hmm. and then honestly I think we have basically just been we rebuilt we were rebuilding trust for so long that it kind of just brought us back to a really good place in our relationship yeah and now we're perfect <laughs> so no. yeah now we're perfect we have no problems um, we have problems there's definitely we've things. ascended to the higher levels we're basically relationship gods now oh my god it's true no we definitely still have like things that are like not perfect but they are I'm perfect um, but everything I'd say at least in the last few months that has come up mm-hmm. has felt very overcomable if that's a word but like it's funny because like i know it's common for people to fight in relationships and that's actually okay yeah but we don't no 
the worst it got after the trip was I there's one time where you were cooking dinner and I came in and you'd asked me to do something or there was some interaction yeah, yeah. and you snapped a little bit. Oh you, yeah. You like had a moment yeah. where something was bothering you, you're frustrated, something came yeah. out and I just separated. I went into the bedroom, mm-hmm. I kind of went into the blankets, you know, de- Cried a little bit. Yeah, cried a little bit, de-simulated myself, yeah. but was processing too. And you noticed that. You noticed that I retreated. You noticed that I separated myself. And then you came and you're like, without me even having to mention what it was, you're like, hey, like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for that to come out that way. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, like, that sucked. Yeah. Um, And then we just, like, processed it over the dinner that you'd been making. Yeah. But it was was done in an hour. Not even. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've done, we've been able to really refine and almost, not perfect, but Mm -hmm. become pretty skilled at navigating emotions and conflicts and conversations well yeah that make us better afterwards mm-hmm. oh I, yeah i fully agree like i said we're perfect yeah! not perfect <laughs> but we're doing really well yeah we're doing much better now yeah so that's i guess i don't know if we it there like that's basically yeah. where cute and shit has come from yeah of our process yeah our evolution <laughs> yeah so again the, the whole point of cute and shit being you don't get the roses the flowers rainbows and unicorns without some pretty shit and difficult moments mm-hmm. i think even with us we we got married in june of 2020 yeah but luckily with our education we i, I knew but no one talks about it no one talks about it and no one tells you that the, at least in Canada, the most likely you're you're gonna get divorced is probably gonna be year three. Yeah. And knowing that divorces usually take a year to process and finalize, people are filing for divorce in year two, which means the first two years are so they're the hardest. Like they're the most difficult and the more like the most risky. Yeah. As far as like relationship goes, but these are the things people don't talk about because obviously people talk about the honeymoon and you know especially from like Christian circles, it's like oh you have kids right away and everything's great. Mm-hmm. Not talking about that. The 66% drop in happiness among couples who, when they have kids, that happens to basically everyone. Yeah. Like, people just don't talk about the reality of the struggles of relationships. And that's something that I like addressing. We like yeah. addressing. And so, cute and shit is just going to be a platform and a stage, a room, if you will, of like, this is where we're going to have these conversations mm-hmm. to help build the most fulfilling relationship possible. We're going to talk about. The fun things, Monopoly deals, you know, <laughs> yeah. random fun bits and moments, but also like the hard stuff and the hard realities of yeah. transitions and marriages and after the honeymoon and having kids. We don't have kids yet, but like understanding like the data and the science and the psychology of what's behind these moments yeah. that people might not know about, whether it's from an academic standpoint or just an experiential standpoint. Like, yeah. And a really not like no bullshit type way yeah i'm all big on no bullshit because yeah. i don't want time for that yeah no it's you have to have real honest conversations yeah, for sure. because everybody goes through this and i think marital problems are hardly ever advertised and You're so people yeah. yeah like people think that they're alone when they go through the the shit moments yeah which i'm obviously you know this but like i'm very big on problems only grow when they're in secret and mm-hmm. so it's one of the reasons why shame is actually so like actually just genuinely aggravating to me even just like i 
I can deal with it from a distance, but like when it's someone close to me, it's actually very annoying because yes, sorry, because because I'm like it's so debilitating and so powerless. Like, talk about fucking open your mouth and talk about it because it's so destructive and so yeah. I think that's even my passion is like again to be honest, it's annoying, mm-hmm. but it's, the reality is like it's just genuinely helpful to talk about this stuff yeah. because talking about it does release people from shame. Yeah. If you follow me, you probably know Brene Brown. We love that queen. It just helps so much to be vulnerable, to be open, living with integrity, and being open and honest about difficult things. Because yeah. so many people, connection. yeah, so many, like we live downtown. So many people in life, like, yeah. are in like these high and mighty circles and have this clo- like these closet problems where their lives falling apart. I'm like, I'm just They're suffering in silence. Yeah, and I'm just I'm so not interested in that life, and I'd like to shatter those types of strongholds and they're just fortresses with that just hold people down and they need to be eradicated and that's my job yeah yeah shame creates a prison yeah so fuck that shit yeah um so that's cute and shit this, yeah this is cute and shit if you've made it this long thanks <laughs> um appreciate the fuck out of you because this was a good conversation and yeah. this is a long conversation really appreciate you joining if you again if you made it this point i'm assuming you got value so hit me up so like obviously my social media you can always find me at the realist therapist or realist therapist depending on the platform but i'm assuming if you found this youtube you probably know how to find me or podcast you know how to find me so if you want to chat have questions we're going to make follow-up episodes we're, we're going to make do more of these sessions so if you have any questions yeah want us to address. like we're all about building community we want to actually yeah. like build something meaningful so comments dms feel free Just thank you appreciate it subscribe do all the fancy shit that you guys know that people like to do on youtube so appreciate all the engagement but most importantly we're going to build a community and build some connections so hopefully to see you and actually have a conversation yeah okay bye bitches (laughs) (laughs) thanks welcome to the bloopers bitches (laughs) Mm -hmm. feel people to hit up your socials Oh, I forget what they're... Don't be a fucking social. No. You, you want to be a content creator, you don't know your socials? I don't. She's new. Sorry. I have ADHD. She's bitch. new. Sorry, you're f***ing <laughs> so. If you're watching the video, at least, we'll put yeah. it there. My hair is like fluffy. You're fine. Oh my god. Um. Oh wow. I feel so loud. <laughs>